for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Okay, Acts chapter 1 is where we'll start this evening. <clears throat> the books, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. I don't know if I can remember the whole saying now, but many, many years ago when I went to Bible school, just a brand new Christian, the church I was in actually had their own Bible school there. And uh, the teacher we had that talked on the Acts of the Apostles, uh, I mean, on the book of Acts, he said, oh no, she said, it was, it was a lady. She says, I think it would be better titled if it was the Acts of the Apostles for the lives of the first generation of believers. I can see how that fits, but we'll stick with the book of Acts. <laughs> All right, Acts chapter 1. We're going to read from 1 through 9, make a few comments here. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So Jesus did things and he taught things. And the disciples were privileged to be there with him and see those things that he did and heard and understood the things that he taught. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. <clears throat> so he gave them explicit instructions. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now you can imagine all the things they went through with Jesus, which was a miraculous, can you imagine three, three and a half years full of it, and then after he rises from the dead, the infallible proofs, seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He was already demonstrating the kingdom of God, what it should be like on earth. But now he's specifically speaking to things upon his resurrection, his last time with them, about the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. You notice it wasn't a suggestion. He absolutely knew the significance of about um, what about was to happen with them in their lives? And so he's commanded them, do not, <clears throat> do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. In other words, I don't have anything to share with you right there on that because... <clears throat> the Father set that up. It's not, it's not your part to know the time, all the planning. Would you, if Jesus have known it, I don't know. He was part of the Godhead, so in his, in his earthly ministry. But those are things they didn't need to know at the time. They were sort of looking at, you know, what are we going to do here if he's going to be out of here? <clears throat> but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. I'm not going to get down. Now here comes verse... 8 of chapter 1. But, so he's not going to tell them about the times and the seasons things. He says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. I don't know if Fort Pierce is the uttermost part in his understanding at that time, but we are part. <clears throat> Speaking of that, seeing he was talking to him about Jerusalem, Judea, and the other places, how far do you think it is from Fort Pierce to Jerusalem? We have a lady sitting in the front row that just may very well know this, but <laughs> most of us will probably be venturing a guess. Although I won't be guessing because I did a crazy thing and looked it up, so I would be able to know. <laughs> so. On the plane? How many hours on the plane? 
No, we're just talking about what the distance is in mileage. And actually, when I had to look up, I had to take out the calculator because they wanted to give it to me in kilometers. Uh, I understand kilometers. I drove in Germany for a couple of years, but I'd really like to know it in mileage. But anyhow, not, it really doesn't affect our study this evening that much, but there's 6,542 miles from Fort Pierce to Jerusalem. So if you started to walk, you'd be at it a while. <clears throat> and hope you have your water wings with you. But <clears throat> All right. Uh, so he spoke that to them they're going to receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon them and they're going to be witnesses unto him in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth in verse 9 and when he had spoken these things while they beheld he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight so they actually literally got to be there and see him take off so you if you were an unbeliever in those days, you couldn't per- dissuade them, I would say, what they saw and what they went through. So, <clears throat> But that is the Jesus explaining upon his departure about commanding them to wait there because they needed the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. And then, so that's, how, that's what we're starting with this evening because you and I need the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. As Pastor Thomas referred to before, there's plenty of churches across the world, across the globe, uh, that they are churches and some may even have born again people in them. There would be many denominations of churches in the United States that have people in them that I think they're actually saved. They've accepted Jesus as their Savior but they have no allowance for the Holy Ghost because of indoctrination. Well, for, fortunately, uh, I mean, I believe I would have changed anyhow if that was the case, but the church that I attended, get born again in, they definitely believed in the Holy Ghost. So that was a plus. <clears throat> All right, now we're going to look at a few more verses here. We're going we're to start with Matthew chapter 6, verses 7 to 10. And where's Matthew found in the Bible? I'm still trying to get the verse here, so there we go. It'll be the first book in the New Testament, right? <clears throat> Matthew. And we want chapter 6, 7 to 10. So how about that? I'm in the right place. So when we was reading the book of Acts, Jesus did things, he taught things, and he commanded things. Well, here... In chapter 6 of Matthew, it is in red. It says, but when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. I trust you and I know better than that. <clears throat> but that is literally true of many, of many churches and many people in church, because that's all they know. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Now that's something that may challenge many of us in here. To have a literal comprehension, understanding, and a daily living and partaking of that. That our Heavenly Father knows exactly what we need even before we ask him. In other words, he's not taken by surprise. Oh, you shot $20 this week? Your car really broke? They evicted you. Come on, give me a break. They're coming at me from all angles here. It doesn't, it's not facing him. He knows ahead of time. And he absolutely is capable and wants to meet all of our needs. One sheet in the back, please. Okay. Uh, Verse 9, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That was, a, that was the teaching, that was an example of Jesus instructing and teaching us how to pray. <clears throat> we'll read it again. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. This is the way you're going to get results to do it. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You are in agreement with the word of God and the kingdom of God when we pray that prayer. And that's why he gives us that prayer to pray with. So we, that should be a model, if you will, of how we go to God when we have a request of any time. Or you're just discussing with him. Well, we can be in agreement with his kingdom here on earth. Because that's what we have the benefit of understanding and are growing in the knowledge about the kingdom of God here on earth. As it becomes more expressive, as it becomes more expansive, it's going to happen through individuals like you and I that have received the word of God about the kingdom of God. The same way everywhere that Jesus and the disciple went, it was so new to so many people. But it was a demonstration of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. That's the way he wants it to be. There are no shortages in heaven. There are no... There is no political corruption in heaven. And can you say amen to that one? There's no bickering politicians on the TV in heaven. It, in earth as it is in heaven. That's our goal. There's no lack. There's no sickness. There's no... Nothing detrimental there at all. And it, that's the way we're to have it here on earth as it is in heaven. And he wants us, rather even expects us, to agree with his word, to learn with his word, and do our part to go about. Uh, okay, let's jump over to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, we're going to read verses from 7 till 9, to 9. I didn't say we're going to be reading till 9 this evening. I meant to say we're going to read Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 to 9. You get that straight. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. And as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God wants us to understand that, wants us to see it, wants us to partake of it and live in that, have an expectation of it. As you go preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. <laughs> Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. Now, what in the world would he tell them that for? We're not really getting back off on finances here this evening, but you, as you can see, it's all through the Word of God. He's concerned. But why would he tell them? Well, let's, let's read it in context. We only read a few verses there. Uh, as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. I would suggest to you he's speaking to him in that way because he has plans and purposes to provide everything they need. To provide everything we need. In other words, that's the way in the natural you would do it. I mean... Well, my wallet's in my bag, but probably for the men, anyhow, most of us got wallets here for the, for the ladies. They have purses and maybe even wallets in them. Well, we, we take care of finances. We do things that way. Uh, but we can believe God to supply how many of our needs? All of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That is circled by what says, as in earth, so in heaven, or as in heaven, so in earth. That's what he wants us to understand. He would like you and I to come to a place where we fully comprehend that and operate in that, have an expectation of him. Believe, believe me, he can meet our needs with ways we don't even know about right now. And you say, how in the world could that ever happen? Well, he knows. He absolutely knows. <clears throat> okay, jumping over to Matthew, the 12th chapter. You say you're hooked into this book. Well, for a little while, it is quite a book, I'll tell you that. But <clears throat> Matthew chapter 12. And we want to come down to verse 28 here. Matthew 
Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verse 28. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. And that's exactly what Jesus did when he was here in more than one instance. It's recording in the Gospels for us. If I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Well, that's one bit, small piece of information to us. There is such a thing as casting out devils in this day, and it's going to be done by the Spirit of God in our lives. That equips us and and helps us understand things. He can let you know exactly what you're dealing with in this individual's life, whatever's going on. You have the power, you have the ability in you from him to take authority over that and to control that situation. And he can communicate all that to you when nobody else in the conversation, nobody else in the congregation heard the conversation between the Spirit of God and you. And that's the way it's intended to be. I mean, he didn't have to have a text. He didn't have to have anything. Right in here. The Spirit of man. Glory to God. The kingdom of God is come unto you. Okay, we're going to switch over to the gospel according to John. What would you do that for? Gospel according to John chapter 14. And we're going to look at verse 25 and 26. John 14, 25, and 26. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Tremendous promise, isn't it? Tremendous declaration, tremendous promise, tremendous benefit to you and I. And I would suggest and imagine you have already seen parts of that happen in your life before. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send, very emphatic, in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. The, uh, I've never asked Pastor Tom about this particular thing, but I pretty much know that what's happened. Many times when he's ministering, and you're in the flow of the Spirit of God, whatever you're preaching, ministering, coming out, will also instantaneously, another thought, another scripture will come to you that goes right along with that. Instantaneously. And then you just flow and go right with it. That's the Holy Spirit teaching us and bringing things to our remembrance. Because, quite honest, many times we need Him to bring something to our remembrance. Because... We're thinking about what we're ministering on and thinking about dealing with individuals and all, but all of a sudden, he'll just... There it is, current, right up on the screen, so to speak. And you got you got a heads-up display. You know where you're going now. So, <clears throat> Well, that's the benefits of the Spirit of God and the kingdom of God. And Jesus himself, and this is all in red where we're reading this, telling us what's going to happen. The comfort of the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things... And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He will remind us quietly, is the definition of one of the phrases in that verse, if you look it up. It means to bring to remembrance. Well, that's the that's definition of what I was just explaining can happen in our life. He'll just haul that right out of the memory bank, know right where it is, and bring it up. Because it will benefit somebody's part of the reason he's bringing it up. Not just for you and I to think, well, we know something about that subject. No, it's going to benefit somebody there in that congregation at that time on that day needed that. It's going to mean something to them. You and I might not know that at the time when it's going on, but he very well knows it. Well, that's the benefit of the Holy Spirit, and that's why why we need him. 
Pastor Tom very convincingly taught us this past Sunday morning about the importance of the Spirit of God and the Word of God in our daily lives. And it does have to be daily. It does have to be daily. Uh, And the Spirit of God is capable. You just pick up your Bible, pick up your tablet, pick up your phone, do something, however you're going to get the Word of God in you that morning, that afternoon, evening, whatever the time of day is. It doesn't make any difference. And you can begin to look at something, and it may be something you've read a couple dozen times. Maybe something they ministered on that Sunday or that Wednesday whenever you was there. But now all of a sudden, you see something that you didn't see before. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. And we need the Holy Spirit in our daily... We'll become a more effective believer in the kingdom of God on earth, an equipped believer, if in fact we can do that, if we can give the word of God and the spirit of God place in our life, give him entrance. <clears throat> okay, let's, let's move on to the New Testament. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amazing, isn't it? That Jesus could do that, would do that. He knew no sin. But he took our place, and we are extremely benefited by that. God made Jesus sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Jesus. Righteousness, other words you could use to understand that, is just, you're justified, or you're innocent. When you stand in righteousness before God, you're standing innocent. Now, the adversary still has plenty of things to try to condemn us with and about. I mean, he never runs out, doesn't seem like. But we can put him out because of the Spirit of God and the kingdom of God. But he always wants to bring things up about, well, you really should have done this. And did you hear what they did? When we recognize that it's not good, it's not uplifting, it's not the Word of God, it's detrimental then we should awaken to ourselves and resist that in Jesus' name. Speak the word of God right out. Give no entrance to him. Because he will certainly try to do that. We have been made the righteousness of God in him. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. All right, now let's jump to Romans chapter 4. These verses are going to tie together here. Romans chapter 4. You may want to start with 24. The book of Romans, Romans Road, there's an amazing, well, there's an amazing amount of teaching in any page of the Bible, so to speak, but Romans has got a lot of doctrinal teaching in it. <clears throat> Romans 4, 24 and 25, our note says, to trust in God that raised Jesus from the dead for our justification. Verse 24, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Justification, a word that can help us understand that, would be an acquittal. When people go to court and they're acquitted of all charges, they're innocent, they are not guilty. that That instance had to be proved or performed in a court of law, so to speak. But that's basically what Jesus did for us. 
Now, <clears throat> Adam is the one that got us into that boat, so to speak, because of his transgression. God's man. I mean, he had everything. But that's why we need to be changed up here. We are children of God. With the same way that Adam had everything. They didn't have to worry about any silver and gold in his purse, did he? He had everything right there, all laid out. He was the pinnacle of God's creation. He made everything else first. All the planets, everything else, the animals, the vegetation, everything. He made the entire earth and the universe. And then it was all done, ready to go. Boom. Here comes Adam, God's man. So he got tricked, if you will, or made a wrong decision that got him cast out of the Garden of Eden. But you and I are now back in the Garden of Eden, so to speak, because we have been justified because of what Jesus did for us. But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. So we are justified. The acquittal would be one word. Here's another one to help you understand it. If we're justified in God's eyes, it's just as if we never did it. Because, I mean, if you never were speeding down the road, well, they're not going to arrest you for speeding. And if they did, they couldn't prove it. If you were not speeding, unless there was some corruption or something involved, where in our lives, we're just as if we've never done anything because of what Jesus has done for us. And we need to remind ourselves from that fact as well because the same adversary, the same sleuther to come on wants to lie, about it, lie to us in this area will try to do that in any area. He wants, wants to make us feel like a worm. Well, you didn't do too good this week. I mean, did you? It was very clear that that person needed help, and you just walked right by him. That may have happened. We may have done that sometime. Well, we can purpose not to do it again. You can repent of it and purpose not to do it again. If, in fact, that fit our life. Now, if he comes on with, along with any lie, don't be given place to that. Don't let him run you around in circles trying to think you never do anything right. Because he will try to condemn us at any, every opportunity he gets, whether it's justified or not. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, the very next chapter. It's actually, actually a continuation of the whole thought and teaching here. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Being justified by faith. How can we, or how would we, be justified by faith? The two verses we just read in the previous chapter, along with this one, this is what the Word of God is telling us. Now it's our part to believe that to be true. Well, I don't always feel like that. Join the club. Many of us, most of us, are definitely times when we don't feel like that. But we're, we're taught to walk not by feelings, but to walk by faith. Faith in what God has said and what he has done. And there may certainly be some times where you're not, times that you're not doing that good. Well, that's when we need the peace and the grace of God to help us out of that and carry us right along. And the Holy Spirit will do that. That's why we need to be sensitive in attending to him. He helps us. He aids us. He knows all about it. <clears throat> Justified by faith. Peace with God. Peace with God. If you look, if you look those up, <clears throat> now that's one thing. I thought of this recently, getting ready for this particular session. Uh, a lot of times I'll bring up definitions of what the word actually said in either, either the Greek or the Hebrew. I'm just wired that way. I mean, since day one when I got born again, I mean, I got, well, I can't give you the exact day, I guess, but it would have been the last week or two in August of some year. <clears throat> and that September 3rd, I think it was, I was in Bible school. 
strange thing happened. Well, like I said, that church where I was at, they had their own Bible school. That's when it began. And so I can remember even doing it way back then. Now, this is back when you had the big, thick, strong concordance in all the notes in the Bible. Thirteen months. You'd be looking over here and say, oh, man, this is the Old Testament. It's going to be over here. Go over here and look. Take all that time and find it and then see what it means. Technology, all things that God has allowed to be in this world because of wisdom given unto people to invent in two things. I can just tap on the verse right here by that number and it'll tell me instantaneously what it means. And believe me, I've checked the other ways. Now, is that right? That's right. That's what it means. But this helps us sometimes in understanding, meaning what it says, like in the one we just looked at, peace with God, rest, quietness. That's some of the definitions of what the uh, explanations of what the peace of God's all about. You're resting. You're quiet. That's what it's like in God's presence, in, in, with Him in our life, living in His kingdom. Rest in quietness. Another phrase is, we're set at one again. Well, why would we need to be able to be set at one again? Because that man we was talking about a minute ago, Adam. He had rest and quietness and peace and whatever kind of food you could possibly dream of that was delicious, everything was right there in the garden. But then he ixnayed that. And so he got booted and now he's not in that rest. He's not in that quietness. But now, justified by faith brings peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're set at one again. The same way God was totally loving and glad that he had made everything and now Adam is placing his man in here to have dominion on this earth. Now we have been set at one again. We are one with God. We're justified. We have peace. Uh, All right, let's get down. Same chapter, Romans 5. Get down to verse 17. What are we doing here? Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Phenomenal promise, is it not? Phenomenal instruction that you and I have to grab a hold of. In other words, we could have somebody that just got born again yesterday, let's just say, for, for an example's sake, and we're sharing this word, this particular part of Scripture with them, it's even the first time they've ever heard it. it was, it'd be sort of flabbergasted. You have a hard time swallowing that the first time you read it, and then begin to understand it. But this is the Word of God. It is inspired. This is a fact. If we have any thoughts contrary to the facts in this word, then we're going to need to change because the word's not going to change. If by one man's offense death reigned by one, that would have been Adam they're talking about, much more they which receive abundance of grace. What do you suppose that word receive means? I might have heard something. What's the word receive mean? What's that? I didn't hear you. To get. Very good. In the Greek, it's, we've used this word many times in many subjects. We've certainly used it numerous times in the context of finances. That word receive, now not always, but certainly this issue right here, it's in the Greek, I believe it's 2983, but it's the Greek word lambano. And it means to take and get a hold of. Now, if I was to offer you a $100 bill this evening, if I was, capital I, capital F, would you take and get a hold of it? Mm -hmm. Or would you say, nein, danke. <laughs> That's German for no thank you. So, 
take it and get a hold of it. This is the promise of God's word. We are to take and get a hold of it. Much more, they which receive, they take and get a hold of the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, they shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Do you think that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the kingdom of God on earth, wants us to reign here? Emphatically, yes. Emphatically, yes. Emphatically, that's over and over and over time spoken to us. That's what Adam was to do in the garden. He was to reign and control earth. We need to get this thing here, the cerebellum or our mind. We're going to deal a little bit with the mind this evening. The mind is extremely important. Some people say, all I need is faith. I'm going to believe God and going to go. Well, that's all right. That's good. But you do have a mind. You do have a brain. You do have a cerebellum. You have a spirit. And the spirit of God is going to convey things through you the way we are made. And so we are to have the mind of Christ, the anointed one. So if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more, much more, they which receive, they take and get a hold of the abundance of grace, and they don't stop there, they take and get a hold of the gift of righteousness, well, then they, that individual or individuals, shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. The word reign literally means to rule. That's what God expects you and I to do. Certainly in our own life, certainly in our own family, certainly in the the lives of people around us that will, will enable us to be able to minister the word of God and the kingdom of God to them. So somebody may be a believer and for whatever the purpose of the situations in their life are right now, they might have heard one or two things about the Holy Ghost, but they don't know anything about it. And they don't know if they could have it. Well, I talked, oh, I had a hard time last week. I've sinned a few times. I don't think I'm be getting the Holy Ghost. Well, if you look at your righteousness, you probably wouldn't get the Holy Ghost. But you know something? God's not withholding the Holy Ghost from anybody. I mean, you must be born again. But the point being, he wants us to have it because he knows we need it. It's not our goodness. It's not our sin or lack thereof because he's already made provision for everything. In fact, Jesus himself had to go into the ground. They call it dead, D-E-A-D. But the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the Kingdom of God brought him back up out of there for you and now. Now we have life and we have it more abundantly, and we are to reign. We need to remember that. He absolutely wants us to reign on this planet, and he'll start with this life. You reign over this life. You bring this life under control, and then you will be enabled to help somebody else. Uh, Okay, let's drop down... Let's drop down to where it says your mind. And the reference here is Mark chapter 12. Don't know as we're going to have all the time we need this evening for this, but we will touch on it. And that's why you have this sheet to take with you. Mark chapter 12. 30 and 31 it says. And I would encourage you to do that. One of the reasons I use a handout and pass it out is, is I would expect nobody to follow everything, every word that's said, every description that's given, every Greek word definition such as limbane or whatever. But if you, you can jot some notes down there, and that's why I try to leave some white spaces blank in there. Just a few words. If you go back and look at that sheet four days from now and you're reading it, bam, the Spirit of God can tell you what you heard in there, and now show you what he wants to show you about what you heard in that class. So these things are important. They're they're intended to be an aid and a help and an assist to you. Mark chapter 12, 30 and 31. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind 
and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And that is in red, if you have that translation. It's Jesus speaking and declaring that and helping us to see. So as we receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, it's capable to save our souls. This is one of the words right here. All these words, if we receive them, that's what it'll do. It'll begin to transform us and change us and all. So we receive it. <clears throat> so it does say, we'll love the Lord of God with all our heart, with all our soul. Oh, come on. Oh, that's my first warning. We're all set. Let me get over to the Let me get over to the clock so I can shut it up. There we go. But that's just a warning. That means me I get I get a I get a few more minutes here. Sing a little louder. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey Patrick. Yes. Uh, so um, I'm sorry. Hey. The Lord has put on my heart to share um, what's going on currently uh, with my trip to go to Jamaica afterward. If you guys would like to hear, stay okay. A little bit longer, yeah. Okay. Love you guys. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. Alrighty. So there's talking about our mind, right? Love the God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Definition of the word mind there. Deep thought. Imagination and understanding. Can you imagine the kingdom of God, the word of God, speaking to you about imagination? Well, I thought that was kids' play. Well, how do you think half the technology that's in this world right now got here if somebody didn't have an imagination? <laughs> well, imagine that. We have, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We are created in His image and in His likeness. And we are planned and designed and desired to reign in life through one Jesus Christ. We are to reign on this planet. But if we can't reign in uno, well, then you're not going to reign in dos or whatever it is. So, I mean, you know, one at a time, one at a time. But the point is we can, hence earlier in our thinking, the Word of God and the Spirit of God in our life daily. We eat some kind of food daily, most of us, most days. You do other things daily. Well, it needs to become a part of our life if it has not to this point. But it needs to be because we're the ones going to be benefited. We're the ones that are going to be better off. <clears throat> okay, let's... We're not going to be able to get them all, that's for sure. Let's jump over to Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. And again, as we're going there, you can certainly look these up on the list later. And the Holy Spirit's well able to reveal to you what you need to know and what would fit you perfectly for right now in reference to any of these scriptures that we're looking at. Romans, book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. To exercise the mind, to have an opinion to set your affection on. These that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, and they that are after the Spirit, you can use the same phrase, they mind the things of the Spirit. <clears throat> so we're to exercise our mind, we're to have an opinion, and we're to set our affection on. We have affections. You like some food better than others. You like some people better than others. Hopefully it's your wife or your husband in that case. But if you don't have, if you're not a husband and you don't have a wife or vice versa, there'll be somebody out there that you've got an affection for. Well, how'd that happen? Well, we don't have time to get into that this evening. I can tell you that, but that is. <clears throat> okay, let's jump right in the room, jump to chapter 12, and we'll find a place to wrap it up here. 
book of Romans chapter 12. Yeah. Yeah, the book of Romans chapter 12 in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your bedroom, by the renewing of your automobile. Wrong translation, definitely, okay. Be not conformed, do not be boxed into this world system, because we're supposed to be in earth as in heaven. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hallelujah. Uh, how many are young enough to remember the TV program several moons back called The Hulk? The Green Guy. When they come on and announce that, they'd say a metamorphosis took place in his life when he got mad at something. Well, that's what this Greek word right here is, metamorpho. There's a change that's going to happen. We ain't going to necessarily become a hulk, unless he needed you to be, but a change is going to happen in us. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I suggest to you your mind is extremely important. God gave it to you. God created it in us for a reason. Many times we could, as a young believer, think it's all about the word of God. It's all about my spirit. Put down this nasty body. Put over the, forget that mind, education stuff. No, 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 no. Everything has its place. There's an order for everything. And so we can find our mind's going to be very beneficial to us. That's what we said before. There's people that they have an imagination. They use it for things. God speaks to them in that imagination. All the things that were created for technology in this world that we benefit for, they may have come through a rank unbeliever. But God had to get it through somebody on this planet because he wanted it to be in this earth so the body of Christ could benefit for it. And so that we could reign on earth and do our job here. God will absolutely speak to us. Okay. Let me see here. Let's look at one more. Second Timothy one seven. I know I'm cutting it close here, but Second Timothy chapter one and verse seven. And I know I'm jumping over something, but Second Epistle written by a man named Timothy, chapter one, verse seven. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you can have a sound mind, there's plenty of people on planet Earth that they have an unsound mind. They have a corrupted mind. Change that. How'd drive out? Something going on here, so... But we can have. That's what Jesus did for us. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Uh, sound mind is discipline, self-control mind. We need to discipline ourselves in many areas. Our mind being part of it. And if we do not take the Word of God and the Spirit of God aiding us and helping us revealing things to us and we allow the Spirit of God to have entrance into our life, you probably will not be able to change that mind from a defective one to a sound mind. But we absolutely can. We have fantastic help and aid that will enable us to do that. And that's what he desires for us, to have a sound mind. <clears throat> okay, we'll just read a little bit this at the end and we'll close up. It says, Neither you nor I can operate in agreement with the Spirit of God and the Kingdom of God without having an ear to hear that which the Holy Ghost speaks in our lives. The Holy Ghost is the one that is enabling us. He's the one that is guiding us. He is the one that is equipping us. 
that my thing going off already? Yeah, I guess it is. At least I got the volume turned on. I didn't really mean to do that, but I better shut it off or it might keep coming up here. There we go. Okay. Absolutely. We have to have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God says to us. We can develop that. It's an ongoing basis. It's a relationship. And then we'll operate with a sound mind. And lastly, we are equipped and empowered to walk in the destiny that Almighty God has planned for our lives. And believe you me, you've got one. And there's a good chance you're already walking in part of it because of His goodness and grace. But with a sound mind, with the Spirit of God speaking direct to us, we can walk more fully in that destiny, which is going to be innate. It's going to, whatever that destiny is, is you're going to be helping and aiding other people. We're encrypted and empowered to walk in the destiny that Almighty God has planned for our lives. We have the love of God in us, the anointing of God upon us, to minister the good news about the kingdom of God to everyone that we cross paths with. It may be the first time you meet a neighbor. Now, you don't have to give them a 14-point sermon the first time you met them, but as you develop a relationship with that person, they ask you a little more, they're willing to hear a little bit more, we can share things into their lives. That'll benefit them because God wants them to have everything that you have and more. He wants them to have everything, just like it's all been bought and paid for, so to speak. So, Father, I thank you for our time together this evening. I thank you that we have confidence that the Spirit of the living God that is with each and every one of us here this evening will speak into our lives, will open our understanding and help us to see what fits us this evening. If it's one small phrase, if it's one small word, that's what the Spirit of God can work with and make changes for good in all of our lives. We thank you. We welcome you for being here. We thank you for your assistance, and we depend upon you. And we say this evening, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. for listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.